0: Ready? Born ready. I got you.
1: It is another episode of your favorite political podcast. There, the party at. I'm your host, Sabalong. It's always a pleasure to do the show and to talk to you guys about what's happening in Atlanta, in Georgia, and across the country. Stories yeah. that I think we think you should be paying attention to, because one way or another, they impact you um, or someone you know. So let's dive right in. I think about every other week we start. Uh, the pod with what's happening with Cop City, and there's been some movement. So let's jump in on that. The opponents um, of the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center uh, on Monday submitted more than 100,000 signatures or petitions to the city of Atlanta. Now, for it to go on a referendum on a, on the ballot, they have to have just shy of 60,000 valid signatures. And then for additional context, if I'm not mistaken, there are about 300 and something thousand registered voters in Atlanta, somewhere between three and 400,000 registered voters. So a third, almost a third or fourth of registered voters, um, they would have had to have, have gotten to sign this. If they indeed did that, that is a lot. Um, I know there's a lot of discrepancy about the signature process. There's a lot of discrepancy about the signature process. How many people um, are actually, you know, valid signers. There's where that elected officials who have voted for the public safety training center are listed as having signed. Uh, but we'll find out for sure. At least we think um, when the verification process starts, but when they dropped off the signature, the city said that they cannot start the verification process until the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals weighs in. So here is, I'm going to read a portion of the statement that came from the Office of the Municipal Clerk. And this was issued on Monday. And I quote, this morning, we received petitions from those seeking a referendum on the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center and have locked them away in a a secure location until we receive further rulings from the 11th Circuit Court. State law and the city's code have a clear and strict 60-day deadline for petition circulation. Specifically, the law commands that a petition shall not be accepted by the council for verification if more than 60 days have elapsed, since the date the sponsor of the petition first obtained copies of the petition from the municipal clerk. I'm just going to pause there to explain what that is. So originally, they had 60 days to get that 60,000 number threshold of people to sign the petition. But a judge ruled that they could extend that time, and they also ruled that It didn't have to be city of Atlanta people overseeing the signature process. So someone who wanted to volunteer, but they lived in DeKalb County, but not in the city of Atlanta, they could participate in in a volunteer in the petition process. I will continue. Uh, The original petition was issued on June 21st, making August 21st the original 60-day deadline for petition submission. The petitioners could have turned their petition in on or before August 21st. And indeed, several times said that they were going to do so, but opt in, opted instead to take an additional three weeks to circulate their petition for signature. So, basically, what that means is that the city has the petition. So they delivered boxes. About if you think of legal boxes, if you've ever worked at a law firm or in an office, they delivered stacks on stacks of legal boxes filled with signatures to the city clerk. They have the clerk. City clerk has them in safekeeping. My guess is that the Vote Cop City movement made copies of all the signatures so that they can make sure that nothing has been uh, modified or boxes have been uh, removed or anything of that sort. Now, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the impact of Cop City on a kind of Atlanta politics and fair and democratic politics. So fair fight, which is a Stacey Abrams aligned organization who's done a ton of voter um, voter education voter outreach get out the vote work they put out a statement about the city's action i'm going to read a portion of that it says we are at an inflection point for democracy in atlanta a city with a long powerful history of activism and a cradle of the civil rights movement regardless of where you stand on this issue The fact remains that some Atlanta leaders are not listening to the voices of voters who elected them to represent their community and values. Now, they went on to talk about Attorney General Chris Carr and his RICO, um, the RICO statue that he filed or charges that he filed against 60 or 61 activists um, for various, you know, they have a list of charges. Uh, these are folks who have been involved in the Stop Cop City movement. One thing that people are pointing out on social media about Fairfights' uh, statement is some Atlanta leaders are not listening. Is how they phrased it, but they didn't call anyone out by name. But you can infer who they're talking about. One of them, first name starts with an A, last name starts with a D. It happened to be the mayor of Atlanta. <laughs> So if they ever get to the verification process, here's what it looks like. And this is from an AJC article. The signature pages will be sealed in front of the petitioners and taken to a secure vault until they are scanned. So that is what was supposed to happen on Monday. Petitioners and the media will will then be provided with copies of the pages. And each page will be marked with a unique identifying designation. Again, I would hope that the SOPCOP City folks have already done a version of this for themselves and they have both a physical copy and a digital copy of what they submitted to the city. If they go on to say in the ver- about the verification process, then each line will be reviewed to determine whether the name and the other information present corresponds to a registered Atlanta voter and whether those signatures match that of the unique voter. And the signature part has been a big controversy because it is reminiscent of signature match, which was a huge thing in the 28th election with Stacey Abrams. I think it again became a conversation in 2020. And so the big the big conversation here is that Democrats are using tactics that Republicans use in Georgia. And that Democrats have said were not okay to use. Uh, The last thing I'll mention is that last week, five people were arrested. Uh, They chained themselves to construction equipment at the actual site, like to a bulldozer and to something, maybe fencing or something like that. Um, And so they were arrested. I think it was more just like a publicity stunt. Uh, One thing the stop cop city folks I think have done a really good job of is making sure that this is in the media on a near daily basis. And so these are tactics to make sure that you are indeed at the forefront of what people uh, are thinking and talking about. So that is what's up with cop city. I got a I, question. It's not clear. What's that?
0: Did you, um for, for cop city, they said that that Rico indictment, Mm -hmm. That it started when George Floyd died?
1: Yes, that was the date listed for the RICO indictment, which is really puzzling because there wasn't anything happening with Cop City prior to, at at that time. So I I don't know if they're trying to connect it to Black Lives Matter. I don't know what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, I found that weird.
1: Yeah, a a lot of folks did. It definitely raised eyebrows. Um, the last thing I would say about this is it's not clear when the Eleventh Circuit Court is going to weigh in. So I don't. We just were kind of in a holding pattern to see what they're going to do. I'm sure both the city and the Stop Cop City folks are trying to get clarity from the from the court about next steps. So we'll see. So it won't be on the November ballot. That part's pretty clear. I think the question is, will it will be will it be on the March or the uh, the primary ballot in 2024? Or will it be on the November general election ballot in 2024? So we'll see. Um, here's an interesting story that's out of the a coastal Georgia, which we don't talk a lot about. Um, but for some of our listeners, I think this will be really intriguing to you. So the the Kichí community, which is has been in Sapelo Island for 13 generations, are in the middle of a big uh, dispute with their government. So, just a little bit about this island: it's a rural island. There are uh, about 30 descendants of the original 44 enslaved families live on the island, and it's called Hog Hammock. Um, that's or Hog Hammock. So it's the last surviving Gullah Geechee community on on the coast in coastal Georgia. 427 acres and again this the people most of the people who live there are descendants of enslaved people brought to Sapelo in the 1800s. So what's the big issue? So there are proposed zoning changes that the county put together and they would do things. They would delete any references to the unique, and I'm going to quote this, the unique needs in regards to its historic resources, traditional patterns of development, threat from land speculators, and housing forms. So they're changing the use, the zoning law. So one is not, is removing any references to the history of the area and the fact that um it was is an area that is representative of a number of slave families and slave families were there and have continued to live there again 13 generations the other thing it does is it allows for larger homes to be built and it sets a minimum size for the house that is larger than the traditional cottages that are already there well, why is that controversial well, obviously, it's pretty clear why the removal of their unique history, any language referencing that is controversial. But why is it controversial to change the size of the houses? Because if you change the size of the house in the zoning law, that means that people will be able to build bigger and more expensive houses. That means higher property taxes. larger your house, the more expensive it is the higher you're paying in property taxes. And the folks who are purchasing and building these expensive homes are people who are already wealthy. If you think about who is likely to have second or third home in coastal Georgia, we're talking about multi-multi-millionaires. So, so the zoning board uh, in the county or in the in the area, whenever they make changes, they have, four to 45 days to make the recommendations to the county commission and then implement those changes. For this, they only took two days. And here's what the, a woman who's representing the Southern Poverty Law Center, Miriam Gutman, said about this. And I quote, an ordinance must have a text amendment. That's not done here. It must have what language was added or replaced. That is not done here. Crystal Meckelreth, who is another woman who works for the Southern Poverty Law Center, said that uh, these changes would violate the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. And if that's the case, then that means that this case would go before a judge, assuming that would be at some point the state Supreme Court. And then we'll see if how just how far up uh, in the courts this case would go. Some other interesting things that happen. So, the zoning board who is conducting this hearing did not use microphones in their discussion, which meant that if you were not near their table, you couldn't hear them, which is just bizarre. Uh, The other thing, just to make some have a little bit of clarity on what how this and the zoning impacts uh, the current housing there. So, the current ordinance designates a special zoning district and that is uh home limits homes to 1400 square feet of heated and air conditioned space so if you think about the size of you know a two bedroom apartment in atlanta um or a cottage house like that's what we're talking about in These are folks, again, who are going to be building significantly larger homes. And the changes would eliminate that. So there's a lot of, this is something that has caught the eye of a number of state House state Senate members in the Georgia General Assembly. Uh, Because, again, folks are concerned about uh, the future of the island and essentially removing what would have been 13 generations of Black people. Um, from a really beautiful serene place very wild all right we are going to hop on over to california to talk about a topic um, my, i know my, my you bad. always pay attention so they huh? can't yes
0: they can't um like those Geechee people they don't have a claim to like the same claim that the Geechee people in south carolina are doing
1: I think they're trying to figure that out. Like, like if they have a claim to the land.
0: Yeah, like isn't there something like federally, like, you know, the Democrats like Joe Biden, that they could do to help?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know to what extent the federal government can step in. I mean, I know they've obviously done that with um, Native Americans, but I don't know. To what extent they've done that with other groups, but the Southern Poverty Law Southern Poverty Law Center is definitely looking into it. And so I think it's just a question of what can be done to save um, the land, and um, I, I don't think folks really understand. Like there hasn't been a ton of conversation about it, so it's one of those things where. If you are really paying attention or you live in the area, then you know, but otherwise you don't know.
0: Yeah, because I didn't know uh, there were Geechee people Yeah, that close. And I figured they could do something because they do it for native tribes all the time. Like James right. Clyburn, exactly. he just put a building for like the native lands in South Carolina to be protected. Right. So like there has to be something, right?
1: Yeah. And this isn't the first time I was reading up on this. This isn't the first time that they've had to fight to protect uh their way of life and their land. Um, the current there's this outlet in the Savannah area that uh does a lot of reporting on coastal Georgia. It's called the Current. So if folks who are listening, if you're interested in this, check out their website, just Google the current Georgia. They've got a ton of reporting about it. All right. All right. Um Okay, Keith, we got to talk about your favorite topic, reparations, or one of. Although you're going to be really upset when you hear this. Um, so <laughs> there was a, uni- uh, a UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies poll that was co-sponsored by the Times um, that was just released. And it basically says that California voters are opposed to the idea of the state of California offering cash payments to descendants of enslaved African Americans. So according to their poll results, 59% of voters oppose cash payments compared to 28%. And then, interesting, when you when they were asked why they opposed cash payments, two main reasons were that, number one, it's unfair to ask today's taxpayers to pay for wrongs committed in the past. And then, number two, it's not fair to single out one group for reparations when other racial and religious groups have been wronged in the past.
0: I'm here and to tell you right now. We don't care. Let me tell you. you We don't care. It don't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, that poll is, you know, listen, Dig through the crates. We did a whole episode about the polls, right? So, you know, there's a lot of things you have to look into when it comes to this poll. Like, who, when, and where? So, yeah. It's cool. It got passed. uh, They voted on it, so.
1: Here's what I thought was really interesting. It wasn't about money. So only 19% of people said that the reason that they were against it was because it would cost the state too much. So it's not about money. And then if you break this down from a partisan standpoint, 43% of Democrats favored cash reparations. 90% of Republicans were against cash reparations. And then independence for sixty five percent opposed to cash reparations.
0: That's a little surprising. I'm surprised by that.
1: Oh no, nah, I'm not. I'm not. Well, I guess what in, part are you surprised by?
0: The the independence.
1: Oh yeah. no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised, surprised by
0: anybody me. else, <laughs> even the Democrats. Like, yeah, I believe only half of them, about yeah. half, would believe. So for the independence right. though, I, well, I I thought I don't know. Thought independents were yeah, more I independent think so. thinkers.
1: I think they generally are. I don't think I think there's a lot of education that has to happen around reparations. I think people just fundamentally don't they don't know the history of America paying reparations and they don't understand the impact of paying reparations. Yeah, and, so and racial... I, don't think,
0: I don't think they understand the quote-unquote crimes committed of the past. You know, like, yeah. the way they even say it, like, crimes, like, uh, so, it's actually a lot worse than just a crime, you know? Um, so, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It's just a lot of education that has to go in, but you have people at the census taking out the education.
1: So, you know. Right. So I thought it was interesting, uh, six in Latino and Asian voters were against uh, cash payments. And then, as always, we try to find find the local angle to this. So Fulton County is has a reparations task force. I want you to listen to this interview with Dr. Karshik Sims Alvarado. He was on the board, um, she's on this Fulton County task force. So she was recently on Al Sharpton's show on MSNBC. Take a listen to what she had to say. Uh, Let me
2: me pause right there, because I don't have to tell you that as recently as a decade ago, the idea of reparations for black Americans was considered a political non-starter. Yet in the last four years, starting with the Chicago suburb of Evanston, Illinois, several cities, and most conspicuously the state of California, have at least considered reparative justice for black residents, with California's legislative... Legislature currently looking at proposals from the state's reparations, which we featured here on the show several times. In fact, did your task force take anything from the work that has been done in California or Evanston and other cities that have um, moved in this direction?
3: Oh, most definitely they were definitely inspired by it. and I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that before. Reparations you know would you would say it under your breath and people use other words to describe reparations. Um, even in the 1960s with Dr. King he used the word guaranteed income, but it still means reparations. And so um, it has gained traction and what we're hoping to do with our task force is actually creating a blueprint for other uh, county commissioners uh, to actually create a task force so one can actually go online to actually look at the report that we created. It lays out a blueprint of actually how to establish a task force.
2: Now, talking about that task force, the task force has already dealt with controversy and pushback over the summer. A Republican county commissioner alleged that you prohibited her appointee to the task force from speaking to media, an allegation you and the Democratic chair of the board of commissioners have clarified as untrue. But that same board chair is on record as being against reparations himself. What's your response?
3: Right. Uh, there was there was a little bit of a tension about who should actually have priority in speaking. And so, as, as you understand, with any civil rights organization, that you must have structure. So, it was clearly understood that the chair and the vice chair, uh, myself and Marcus Coleman, would actually serve as the natural leaders in responding to the press. Um, we have actually been the, the longest members of the task force and those who um, who spoke out of at a turn, um um is that individual wasn't familiar with the history mm-hmm. of the task. What we simply wanted to do is for all our task force members when they are presented um, to speak before the press that they have the proper knowledge that is needed in order to respond to questions. As you know, individuals are going to be tripped up and and the words gonna be taken out of context. But the the concern was genuinely to make sure, make sure that yeah, all our And are admitted- and
2: taken out of context can't trip up the whole uh, goal of what you're trying to do, one way or another. Now, without asking too much for your political views on Fulton County Prosecutor Fannie Willis's racketeering can- investigation of Donald Trump.
1: So, there's a big question about what will Fulton County do for its reparation task force? Like, you know, depending on what the results are, will they implement it? Is this something that could end up happening in other parts of Metro Atlanta? We'll see. But I, I just think there's a lot of information that people need and are missing around reparations and a lot that they just don't understand.
0: Do we know who that person was that spoke out of turn?
1: I I'm not clear on who I don't know. I couldn't understand if she was saying if they were saying it was someone on the Fulton County Board of Commissioners or if it was someone else. But if you remember our "Who Runs Atlanta" series, uh, one of the guys, Mike Russell, is on that task force. He was appointed by one of the Republican Fulton County commissioners.
0: Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. Mike
1: Russell, yeah, the guy who was running for um yeah, exactly for that, uh, council president. Yeah, council. Yep.
0: Yeah. President, yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, we covered him again. I think he did do an interview. Or right. something about yeah. Okay. Right. All
1: right. Yeah. All right. Keep our eyes open Fulton <laughs> County. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And then our last big story, what happens to the future of the GOP and uh, the 2024 election? What's gonna happen there? So Mike Pence was speaking uh, at an event in New Hampshire, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And this was played on Steve Bannon's show. So I want you to listen to the first couple minutes of, uh, it's a portion of his speech and then a snippet of an interview uh, that he gave CNN. Take a listen.
4: The Republican voters face a choice in this state and in every state around the nation as these primaries unfold. And I believe that choice will determine the fate of our party and the course of our nation for years to come. So today, I ask my fellow Republicans this. In the days to come, will we be the party of conservatism, or will we follow the siren song of populism unmoored to conservative principles? The future of this movement in this party belongs to one or the other, not both. That's because the fundamental divide between these two factions is unbridgeable. History teaches that societies with more freedom and less government flourish. That's why we have a brilliant system of checks and balances, divisions of authority, co-equal branches of government, enshrined in our Constitution, and sovereign state governments under our system of federalism. CONSERVATIVES UNDERSTAND THAT IN ORDER TO ADVANCE AN AGENDA ON BEHALF OF THE AMERICAN PEOPLE, WE MUST WORK THROUGH THE SYSTEM, THE POLITICAL HOME OF THOSE WHO BELIEVE IN LIMITED GOVERNMENT AND INDIVIDUAL LIBERTY, WHO KEEP FAITH WITH OUR CONSTITUTION, IS THE REPUBLICAN PARTY. Free. I THINK MY QUESTION IS, YOU KNOW, THE INFLECTION POINT YOU TALK ABOUT THIS MOMENT FOR THE PARTY you know, you look at even our most recent polling in terms of uh, the issues itself. You know, your consistency on conservatism, I think, is unquestioned whether you agree or disagree with where you are ideologically. But in terms of who would be the best candidate to handle the economy, Trump is at 69 percent. Immigration, 65 percent. Ukraine, 63 percent. Government overreach, 59 percent. Um, isn't this war over and your side lost? <laughs> well,
2: He's. <laughs> I'm here to tell
1: you right Um, now. So now let's listen to a clip again from Steve Bannon's show about this exact thing. Take a listen. Right now.
5: He's not at all. So the question is, and we talked about this the other day, what role is he playing? Um, You know, why is he trying to convince Americans that this system, this government system, regardless of what it is, Department of Justice, National Security Apparatus, even the military, uh, any system— Related to the federal government is working. Look at, and that extends beyond Washington. Look at what's happening in Fulton County. We just learned yesterday that the Fulton County grand jury voted to indict people like David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler and Lindsey Graham. For what? For talking about potential voting fraud in the state of Georgia? I mean, every institution has been hijacked by the left and these bloodthirsty Democrats. Where does Mike Pence think he thinks we need to work with that system instead of smash it to bits and rebuild it to the extent that we can? So
1: smashing it to bits and rebuilding it to the extent that we can. On Tuesday, uh, to the, in this vein, news broke that uh, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, is ordering House committees to launch an impeachment investigation into Joe Biden. Now, McCarthy had previously said that if they did an inquiry, it would first require a House vote. But he decided to backtrack on that. Well, why would he do that? Hmm, maybe take a Listen to what Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene said to shine a little light on that.
5: I've already decided
3: I will not vote to fund the government unless we have passed an impeachment inquiry on Joe Biden.
1: Now. The federal government is going to run out of money in 18 days. On Sunday, this past Sunday, Trump had dinner at his golf club in New Jersey with Marjorie Taylor Greene um, and talked about impeachment. So Marjorie Taylor Greene first said at a town hall that she would not vote to fund the government unless an impeachment uh, inquiry was put into motion. On Sunday, she has dinner with Trump. On Tuesday, McCarthy says we're going to do an impeachment inquiry. My goodness. And then Matt Gaetz, uh, the Florida congressperson, said essentially the same thing, that if McCarthy did not play ball, then he would vote to remove uh, McCarthy from his speakership. Now, remember, when McCarthy got elected speaker, there was like a whole like marathon vote. I think it, what was the number Keith? Was it like 10 or 12 votes it was a high number of votes that it took for McCarthy to reach the threshold. Yeah,
0: when they were. Holding and Matt out. Gates
1: was, what's that?
0: When it was like a holdout to vote for McCarthy. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Matt Gates was one of the main holdouts. Where he consistently would not vote um, for McCarthy. And he kept voting for, um, oh gosh, what's his name? The black guy in Florida. Don, oh, what's his name? The black Repu- Black Republican congressman in Florida who's becoming pretty popular. It's like last name is Glover or something. You know what I'm talking about? Keith? Yeah,
0: I was, I was looking
1: it up, but I don't think I found Oh, it. like Don, like Don, Don? Let me see. There's not that many of them. Byron John
0: Donalds. Oh, that's a, oh, yeah, John huh? James. Oh, no. I saw John James, so that would have been wrong. Byron Donald.
1: Oh, yeah. Byron Donalds. Yeah. Well, I'm, let me read. Where should I st- redo that? I'll um, do the Matt Gates. Yeah,
0: Matt, from the, the 10 to 20. Okay. That was yeah.
1: Yeah, so Matt Gates basically said and play ball that Matt would institute a vote to remove McCarthy from his speakership. If you remember last time when, well, McCarthy got the votes to be speaker, it took like 10 or 12 rounds, 10 or 12 tries. And Matt Gates is one of the big holdouts and he kept giving his vote to Byron Donalds, who is a Republican congressman out of Florida. So McCarthy is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, Passing articles of impeachment requires 218 votes, which would mean that every Republican would have to vote yes. And then the assumption is that this impeachment inquiry would take place, you know, essentially over the next six or so months. So, at some point in 2024, either just before the general election, I'm assuming that's how they want to do it. They want to do it in enough time so that they can say Biden is an impeached president, and that's one less thing that Democrats can attack Trump on. Um, We'll see, but 2024 is going to be a hot mess. And this is just further proof of it. And uh, Mike Pence, I don't, I don't know what happens to the Mike Pence's and um, Nikki Haley's of the world. Um, we'll see what, what, what occurs. There's going to be the next presidential debate which in a couple weeks, so I imagine this will be a topic of discussion. Um, I would certainly be asking the Republican candidates for president their thoughts on impeachment. If they think it was the right move, um, if they think you know, Biden is, um, has done something that meets the threshold of impeachment. We'll see. All right, that is that. And let's talk about party poopers and party starters. So I mentioned at the top of the show, Cop City, and how many Democratic organizations um, and, you know, like, reliable Democratic voters are upset about it. Well, some are saying they are upset enough to not engage in 2024. So that would mean that by disengaging in 2024, they risk Georgia going red. So they risk Georgia voting for whoever the Republican nominee for president is. I. I would say putting on my political strategist hat, that is a big gamble that you were that upset with Atlanta lawmakers and Democrats that you would risk having a Republican president for four years at the least, that, that doesn't add up. I, I, I don't know. Maybe someone knows something that I don't know. But in a game of risk and reward, that doesn't make sense.
0: I, I, I think they would. I think, um, I think just... they
1: would, but it doesn't add up. If you care about things like the environment, if you care about a, a, a number of these folks are pro-union people, like if you care about other issues that a Democratic president has backed, then why would you vote to opt out of the 2024 election. Even if you're upset, I'm not saying they don't have, it's not warranted for them to be upset. I'm saying from a purely political risk reward standpoint, long game, that doesn't make sense. Now, if they said we, w- we will stay out of the 2025 election or we'll actively campaign against certain Atlanta elected officials, that makes sense. Politically and tactically. But But it doesn't make sense to say, I'm not going to engage in the 2024 election.
0: I think they are going to engage, but I think they have that, um, that uh, there's a heavy socialist movement going on as well, like within that cop city movement. So yeah, yeah, they're going to engage, but they're going to, you know, engage for party for socialism. Um, I said they, I, I guess we'll talk about it on the next pod because I see they just dropped the ad for the promo uh the young ladies running for president. They like Cruz and Garcia. So, and I've heard them talk about Cop City on an uh, interview earlier this morning. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, I think it's one of those um, it starts now kind of thing and it kind of shows hey, you know, if they disengage, because, you know, it gets to a point where you you can't scare me into voting, right? Because if it's going to be that bad under a Republican, then you should do something for me now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you're, t- you're basically telling me you can. So if you're telling me you can, but you don't want to, then I don't know, you know, it kind of leaves you to um you know it makes you believe that capitalists are on both sides. So it's it's it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a little groundswell. Like I've been like listening and I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, a lot of especially young Yeah, people, I
1: don't think like, you know, it's yeah, a, it's a lot of young energy. Yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't, you know, somebody I saw someone post on social media that um they can't believe the Democratic Party has not called uh the mayor to say like hey what are you doing you need to just chill out on this because it's going to end up costing us you know down the road um and that could I mean it could very well happen that is like I said that's a very big gamble a very big gamble
0: because at this point right what's the other reason for not doing that because well, it's kind the of money.
1: like Trump. What do you have to
0: lose? Well, not even that. It's, it, it just shows you it's a different fight. You know, it's it's not so much as red and blue, you know, it's versus right. the interests of the people versus the interests of big business. Because that's clearly right. what's going on in, in this case. Because it's not even, a. it's so many, it's like a rainbow coalition down there. So it's like it is. so many people it against is. it and you have no reason to be for it. And yes, like you said, there's some calls that could be made down here. They say, "Hey, you know, stop," but not if you know those same big business people are affecting a lot of other things too. So it's it's, right. it's, it's yeah yeah. And because there's
1: a go ahead.
0: No, what you say?
1: There's a a version. There's a, a stop cop city movement happening in Baltimore. Right. I mean, this has become, this has spread. It's not just an Atlanta conversation. It's a national conversation. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that they, I don't think folks are armed with um, tactics to address it.
0: Yeah. And then on top of the whole Rico thing that they did, it's it's just so many things in, in this cop city that if it goes through, Despite all of this protest, it's yeah, the democrats are really, and unfortunately for the republicans, they they might think that they're going to win, but they're gonna have to deal with you know, it's gonna be a fight, they're gonna have to deal with right, some stuff too. So, it's, you know,
1: right, but if I'm a republican, I'm using cop city as a wedge issue to suppress democratic support and turnout. So it's not that I'm expecting you to vote for me because based off of what the attorney general has done, there's no reason for someone to vote for a Republican because they're mad at a Democrat, but they just won't vote for a Democrat. Like they just won't vote period. They'll vote in maybe if there's like some local elections like happening, right. They'll vote for some of their state senators or their mayor, you know, or, or other they'll vote for, Things down the ballot, mm-hmm. but they're not going to vote Democrat if their Congressperson hasn't said what they think is necessary to, stay, to yeah. say. To say, all right, then that's essentially what they're saying is, we're not going to engage. Oh, yeah. That that's uh, the, I mean, certainly within their right. I just I am curious to see what the repercussions of that will be. And how active of a campaign will that be? For party starter, Keith, you sent this over. Oh my gosh, you have to play a <laughs> snippet of this video of Latinos for Trump.
0: Oh yeah, I saw this. I was like, oh man, this is, <laughs> I thought it was just going to be, you know, black people, but man. <laughs> okay.
2: Joe Biden, yeah, I'm voting for Trump Blacks for Trump, Latinos for
0: Trump United we stand and we standing with Trump Dear white people, will you take our vote? Take the Democrats always try to steal our hope I'd
1: rather have a president With a mugshot Yeah, that was wild <laughs> that had So many things wrong I, <laughs> Oh my god I don't know how much money They were paid to do that But I've gotta imagine They were paid a nice chunk of change
0: Yeah I, I you not know what, though. Maybe not. Like, I, not even that much, a chunk of change. I don't think. 10,000? Five.
1: five.
0: Five? I, and we'll take care of it. Everybody's
1: winning. Everybody's winning. Yeah, Trump basically. is winning. The, the rappers, I'm putting that in air quotes, they're winning. Right? Like, it, that is a cheap tactic for... Trump and Republicans to use again to this is about suppression of the black vote it's about how can i get you to rethink voting democrat not through policy but through things like this
0: I, yeah but i also you know, I know God made man and the sun sets on a life where we focus on things that we cannot control and accumulate so much I regret. Heard this one so but I yeah, so I, I think it's grifting time. You know, I, I That's, don't think yeah. yeah. I don't I, think it's so much of you. the vote part. I think that, hey, it's that time again. And <laughs> if you yeah. black Latino, I'm with you. At
1: least the Richmond North the Richmond guy talked about like we don't have enough money to yeah. to live.
0: Oh, yeah, right? yeah, it's different levels. Least, it. Yeah, it's different levels of it. You can yeah. be sophisticated grifting, you know, <laughs> or you can just flat out get out of it. Grifting time. Yeah, it's. it's that I like time. that. Yes, it's that time. It's, hey. Yeah, hey, on both sides. That's the, that's the sad that's thing true. about it. That's
1: true. On both sides. <laughs> you're on, right, this, you were sides right about that. Thing. So, oh, you know, my
0: Lord. You know, in the selection season, it's going to be a lot of this. I'm just, you know, I have. Um, on another pod we have some bets going on <laughs> just you know for celebrities you know just celebrities like oh oh yeah. what
1: celebrity is going to come out mm-hmm.
0: you know what celebrity going to go endorse inside? yeah especially like the, the new ones yeah you know that like, my biggest one is i I want to know who's going to get the Kai tonight the young boy who had the youtube who had the new york city flooded of all those kids out oh, there trying wow. to get that free ps5 or whatever
1: Oh! Oh yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: trying to figure out what size when we they, get him because that was a lot of people. That was a lot of yeah. young voters. Yeah.
1: They charged him with inciting a riot. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like.
1: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know, but um, I mean, time. this is. I mean, politics has always been like. There's a version of this at the local level, without a doubt. Right. There are certain people who speak at city council meetings and, you know, they're not speaking at city council meetings because they're genuinely frustrated by a particular issue. Yeah. Yeah. They're speaking because someone has greased their palm to have them say what they're saying. Right. Like that's just Mm -hmm. the nature of the beast. Uh, And of course, there's a version like a, a friend of mine always says Saba, there's levels to this, like there are levels to the It's a political grifting.
0: Yeah. 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 There you go. Right.
1: And some people I think will see themselves as like, I'm a mercenary and some people are like, I don't care. Just, just give me this check.
0: Yeah. Just give me the check and you won't know who I'm going to vote for anyways.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) If I even vote. If I
0: even vote.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. All right, y'all, that is the show. Um, I want to encourage folks if you have not already, check your voter registration status. Secretary of State announced that they are uh, working on the updates to the voter rolls, and somewhere around like 2% of people on the voter rolls um, are ed- in jeopardy of being kicked off or inactive status. So make sure you're registered to vote, make sure your information is accurate. If you live in the city of Atlanta, there are school board elections in November. Uh, In other parts of Metro Atlanta, there are other elections happening this year. So don't wait. Just take five minutes. Go to mvp.sos.ga to check your voter registration status or to register to vote. Ariel, that is today. As always, thank you for rocking with us. You were listening to Where the Party At. Thank you.